Welcome to the Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, president of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices, and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to the Global Marketing Show. I am so glad you're here. And if you haven't joined the Facebook group, you're going to want to do so today to have some interaction with today's guest. The Facebook group is called Global Marketing and Growth. So go sign up for that now and engage in the conversation. We're going to have a quiz in there, and I'm going to want to see what your answers are because it's, it's very interesting. So as you may or may not know, this podcast is sponsored by Rapport International, who provides high-quality language services, both written translation, spoken interpretation, and they're known for their tidbits. We're recording this right before the American Independence or Fourth of July holiday. I've got some little statistics about that. Did you know that 178 countries around the world celebrate Independence Day each year. So there's 195 countries in the world. So most of them celebrate independence. And 26 of the countries celebrate in the month of July. So happy Independence Day to everybody celebrating this month in July and the rest of the year. So today, I'm going to move on to our guest. It's going to be a fascinating conversation because it's very topical. It's about supply chain management and all the issues that are going on now. We're going to try to break it down to get some clarity on this. So John Kierkegaard is a 40-year veteran in solving global supply chain issues. He's been a strategy operations consultant. He's worked for leading major supply chain planning companies. And currently, he's the owner of DCR Inc., where they've got patented technology and they offer services and consulting to help solve all these supply chain issues that we have. So, John, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you. So I wanted to start out with the quiz. And and we talked about this before coming on, that there's a couple of terms that you thought would be good to define before we go into the quiz. So actually, I think there were three of them. So do you want to go ahead and tell us the terms and what the definitions of those are? Sure. Wendy, I, I think the, the uh, hopefully the takeaway from folks who get a chance to listen to this discussion is to greatly simplify what is the purpose of managing your supply chain or better defined by sales and operations planning. So, because there's lots of confusion and, and most of what you see in the media are squashing down bugs of, of, of symptoms of, to, to the problem and need, not the really the root cause. So, you know, the, the, the root need of a business is to, is to generate profits, income, cash flow, and, and it's simply defined by return on, on assets, right? You kind of see the whiteboard behind me. It's kind of blurry, but return assets, revenue minus your cost divided by the asset base gives you, uh, it's a, something Wall Street investors look for. It's just a very simple metric to find business value. The second term is, is I, I, I try not even use the term supply chain anymore because it's gotten diluted by people 
who want to sell a bookshelf and call a supply chain bookshelf is going to solve a, a, a problem. I, I tend to, we focus on sales and operations planning, which is a process of the people, process of technology to balance your, your lead time of demand with your lead time of supply. And, and that would be a term that I would encourage any business owner, or anybody in business to really sit down and think about, especially as you evolve from a small business to a larger business, or even for a gargantuan business, is, is what you're trying to do in supply chain and designing your supply chain and designing the way you, you fulfill is, is balance that lead time of supply with lead time of demand. And then a third term in there is a planning bill of materials, which is not your engineering bill of materials, but it's a very important term, which is kind of the components you generally assemble to create a finished good. So the, the, the question that I've used for, I guess, decades with, with clients, and it's amazing how 10 years ago it was confusing to them, and today they get it better. But, but I, I'd offer up, you've got three different business models, and, and they're not mutually exclusive, but pick which one you would like. You're selling, you know, red dresses with, with suitcases or, or you're selling a computer, whatever it may be. And, and you have the opportunity to load up on months, even years of inventory of the dresses you think the ladies are going to want. Or better, a better example might be the computers you, you, you think they want, they, they, they want, want to buy. And, they, and they, you sell that for $10. It costs you $5 in, in direct material costs. And so you have a $5 profit, but you have all this inventory you're holding. The second, the second, and, and that's, and, 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 the, and the, the lead time of fulfillment is immediate. It's in inventory, somebody comes in, they can buy it immediately. So the second option is you keep that computer in a component form. You have the case, the power supply, the chip, the keyboard, et cetera. And you only hold maybe three to six weeks of inventory and you sell it for less, you sell it for $8. Your costs are a little bit higher because your direct material costs are a little bit higher because you have these these components. Your inventory is much lower, so you have a two dollar profit margin, and and you know your return on that assets is probably in the thirty percent range or whatever it may be. And then the third option is is you have a supplier that can assemble these computers for you when they're when they're sold. So the third option is I can take an order for seven dollars, the same computer for seven dollars, but. It's it's going to be you're going to tell the customer it's three to three to six months before they take, take the delivery of that of that product. It roughly costs you four or five dollars for that cost of goods sold, but you don't hold any any assets. You're you're taking money from the customer before you ex, you expend money to the and so you okay. have a two dollar cash flow. So there's there, there's a three different models and and. Okay, so, so let me, let me, want? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got some questions on it before I make my pick. <laughs> so the first one is you're holding the inventory. So you've got huge carrying costs, but you're making a $5 profit. You're selling at 10, your costs are five. What's the return on asset there? Oh, the return on asset is roughly 100% for the, for the, for the first one. It, it depends on, it's 100% before we consider the asset, the asset base. Right, so I'm not factoring in holding the, the the assets. So it's it's much less when you factor in the assets, especially if something happens where all of a sudden people don't want those those items. They become obsolete or stale, like bananas on the the, 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 the grocery shelf. They don't they don't last forever. So you you have some risk. 
Okay, so your margin is $5, but you've got carrying costs that are taken out of that. And the return on asset is hard to calculate because you've got- Everything goes perfectly, it's, it, it's, it's very high. If we have okay. a stable world, everything's perfect. The demand curve is from the bottom left to the upper right and no, no change, no black swan events, no change in customer behavior. Oh, okay, so you have it world. and you've got happy clients because they're getting it immediately. So it's a steady right. state world. Now the component, that's you sell at eight and your costs are six. So you've got that $2 margin. Right, and you're, you're, you're literally carrying no, in, in, very little in, in, inventory and you're carrying the inventory at a component form. So if customers all of a sudden want purple cases for their computers and larger screen monitors, um, you have very little risk, right? Your, your risk of obsolescence has gone very much to, 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 to almost almost zero, and you're carrying you're carrying much less in, in, in inventory. Also, you're carrying no finished good inventory. You're just carrying component inventory. Okay, so it's a less risk of costs. Very much the way Dell got started building computers in the in the in the nineties. Right, and three to six weeks for fulfillment of a computer something right. and, is and it, is, is it, reasonable. And, and you may be able to really not really pay more, more many of those component suppliers until you use those components, which is much what Dell did in the, in the 90s, had a very high, high ROA for their, their business. Okay, and then the third one is the on-demand. You sell it, and then you manufacture it, but it's three to six months, so the clients have to wait longer. Your margin is the same as the component one? Well, the third option is is using lead time to your advantage, right? So you're setting mm -hmm. the expectation of the customer that it won't be immediate, but they're getting a better price for not not getting it immediately. And and your mar your margin on on cash over cash is only two dollars, but you really have zero investment, right? You have zero risk, zero in, in investment, and ultimately your return on asset is infinite. You have no asset. So if you just do the simple algebra of revenue minus expenses equals your your profit divided by your assets, you really have no assets. So your your, your return on assets is 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 an, an infinity sign. So your risk is a lot less. Really zero. Your your risk is maybe the cost to man a phone and and configure a quote for said computers all right so you know i know what your answer to this is but you know in digging deeper and thinking about it i can see real pluses and minuses for each one so listeners this is where you go into facebook no matter when you're listening to this and you type in and look for the discussion on this is what is your company doing now and what do you think the smartest way to do it is so put, go to facebook global marketing and growth and you look for that and then start engaging with everybody. Okay, so John, what do you think most companies are doing these days? Well, this gets into a bit of archeological discussion of the history of, of even enterprise systems and, and people and processes is, you know, most companies, especially up until the pandemic, had shifted a lot with long lead time supply chains where they, they'd made the decision they were gonna only do the first model. You know, they were gonna design this fantastic product that everybody was gonna want and they had to buy it in mass 
and stock up on six months to year lead time. Um, and like in a steady state world, nothing goes wrong. And it worked out well, well for them, right? Do we have the steady state world and, and do really good supply chain operators ever think that way? And they don't, right? It, the, the really good supply chain operators obsolete their own products, right? So they're always obsoleting something and bringing something new in. And so the more, the more you understand that lead time of supply, lead time of demand, then the more you want to shift to option B and C that I described, right? You, you don't want to be holding the hot potato or you know, be at the, 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 the grade school cake, cake walk when the, there's three participants, only two chairs left, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and that's, and, and unfortunately, you know, not as many companies have designed their supply chain to, to balance the lead time of supply, lead time of demand. And it's a real opportunity. Yeah. So talk to me about Radio Shack. I know you had mentioned that they were doing the first model, right? Well, you, you asked me for a story. I, yeah. We've helped hundreds of clients over the years design their supply chains to create business advantage, right? The, the, the concept there is, is this whole field of managing lead time and demand to lead time and supply is so trivially addressed that you don't have to be perfect. You just need to be a little bit better than the other guy being chased by the bear or shoot the other guy in the foot so you can get away faster, right? Um, <laughs> so you just got to be a so, tad bit so better. Okay. It, it was years ago, I think about 15 years ago, we'd finished doing a huge turnaround for division of Siemens, actually applying this concept for DSL modems and telecom equipment and turned a business that was failing into the best supply chain solution, supply chain business solution for Siemens worldwide, doing exactly what, what's on, on the board. And somewhere along, a lead, a lead came up to talk to the head of supply chain for Radio Shack. And, you know, Radio Shack sells electronic modems, or used to, right? They really, I don't, don't think they even exist in any form anymore. But, and having just recently done this with a big client and, and seeing the benefit of, of this balance, I, I had this discussion with the head of Radio Shack and they had old IMS, old inventory management warehouse systems. And, and I, I kind of humbly said, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for some of the items you have in your store to not put them through this long lead time distribution ch ch channel that maybe you could drop ship some of these items directly to the city or the store and really hold very little inventory or shorten that lead. And the answer was a 30 minute description of how their supply chain works, which was I paraphrased it by saying in Asia, there were little manufacturers and there are small, small warehouses that flowed to big warehouses, flowed to huge warehouses at port, big container ships that flowed to the US and the big distribution centers and the little distribution centers and the little distribution centers. And after about five or six handoffs and months and, and years of inventory, it finally gets to the store, right? So the after uh, the discussion, the, the client you know, just politely said, I, I, I offered that he could take and take some of those items and kind of bypass all that lead time. And, and his response to me was, we could never do that. That's not the Radio Shack way. And I just kind of said under my breath, I didn't, I didn't say it to him, but I said under my breath, I said, you're going to have a, out, of, out of business in five years. I think it took him about eight years, but they're out of, out of business. And, and the, the point of it is not to pick on Radio Shack. And, right. and it, the, the, the point is, is that so many of these processes around inventory management, production management, flow of material, 
business people just think those were solved 50 years ago. They, they don't they don't realize that not only have they not been solved in many respects, they've gone backwards in the last di, di, in the last di, di, decade. So there's huge opportunities for bi business improvement, huge opportunities for strategic advantage in your in, in industry. And doing it right, you you actually make people's job, the bottom-up role of, of working the business, much more enjoyable, not just the top-down profit perspective. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much and so many different ways we can go on that, but I want to go back to the, the quiz to make sure we discuss that. So you've got, you know, choice A, which was the Radio Shack and which is the way a lot of people are doing it, but you're carrying the cost and it could be more expensive. You're making a big bet. Right? You're making a big bet. Okay. Exactly. Then the second one, you've got component and you mentioned Dell. Like what other companies are doing this and where does this fit in? We've helped almost all of our clients do this. And it's, it's a, a, a technique in the, it, it is, in the supply chain world, you, you might use the term postponed manufacturing or deferred assembly models. It's a very timely need or very timely approach for almost any industry, especially it's something that our government should really get behind because it makes, you can imagine it compresses cube and shipping and uses resource much more wisely. So a lot of firms in telecom, high-tech, furniture, aerospace, all kinds of industries do it to some extent. Again, the opportunity is not enough companies have set, have set back and designed their supply chain to take advantage of, of this, these concepts that greatly reduce the asset risk and greatly improve the ability to meet the customer's need, right? Okay, so that sounds fantastic. That sounds like a good idea. So those of you who've guessed B on the Facebook group, you know, you've got something there. Okay, can you talk about C, like some examples of companies there? So in the notion of sales and operations, planning, which would be the process, the technique, the mindset. You don't need you don't need technology that a business would use to manage lead time. If you get good control over that that planning bill material with the lead time of demand, how soon does your customer want it or when can you promise it? With where these components come from to, to, to make this ha happen uh, and what are their lead times and what are the alternative sources of supply, then if you're really good at production planning, if, you're, if your partners are really good at production planning and supply chain planning, then in essence, you should be able to offer a much lower price to a customer because you don't have risk. Now, I'm not saying that every customer was going to want their new Ethan Allen furniture suite in six months. Well, by the way, they get that in six months from Ethan Allen, right? Or, or they're going to wait for their new sport code or they're going to wait for their computer. But in a, in a modern world, how many things do you really need tomorrow? There, there's, there's huge opportunity to really start as a, as a manufacturer, especially, what if you can help shape demand that makes your life of production planning and scheduling your assets much more, much more feasible and much more profitable? So ultimately, the, the answer for most of my clients is a combination of the three. Wow, right. wait, so, wait, wait, hang on before we get to that. <laughs> right. So if you had to pick one, then what would you say the answer is? Oh, obviously, the, the, if you can do it, 
option C with giving customers lead time is a risk-free business model. You collect a credit card payment, you collect the payment for the goods, and then you fulfill it, or at least you collect a deposit for it. But ultimately, you, you, you put out no cash in order to be in, in business. Option A and option B, you put out a bet. You're, you're going to Vegas and you're putting down money on the, on the poker table or the roulette table and you're betting that the market's going to stay stable, macro conditions are going to be good, and that, that your product is not going to be eclipsed by somebody else in the marketplace. Or no black swan event like COVID-19 is going to come along that's going to del- you know, delay what, what may happen. And, and in a world of you know, leave it to Beaver in 1950, where everything was bottom left to top right, that kind of made sense. There, there's just no market like that anymore. Every market is a sine wave. That sine wave may gradually go up or may gradually go down, uh, but it's a sine wave. And and even if you do, even if your profits are going up, in option A, you still have the risk that you are buying at the wrong time and you're selling at the wrong time as that sine wave moves up. So you've got to, the whole purpose of this example is to simplify what is supply chain and SNOP into balancing lead time and supply to lead time and demand. So, so in talking to you, it's so clear to me, like I've always been in business to business services. So getting involved in the supply chain is, is a foreign concept, although we have a lot of clients that are involved in that area. There has been tremendous problems over the last year or two with supply chain. Where has that broken down in these three options or across the, you know, the whole system? Well, there's probably two or three root causes, symptoms to think about, right? One is, is that the these the systems that keep track of inventory in individual companies, they don't talk to each other outside of individual companies. So there's no ERP system that talks to other ERP systems. There's no inventory management or warehouse that talks to your supplier's warehouse management system or that just doesn't exist. And, and it's, it's shameful that it doesn't exist. So despite all the focus on technology, in many respects, technology has been focused in the wrong area. It's been focused mm. around accounting precision with very poor accuracy of the flow of, 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 of the inventory and in, in production. So it's kind of like they need to take a message from the airlines that transport people. Because we can get, I can go onto one site and look at which airlines are traveling at one time. Oh, I, I think there's, and, and, and yield management airlines, where I, my ticket I buy to Disneyland six months from now is cheaper than the ticket I buy tomorrow. Right. Uh, there, there's, you know, so, you know, hotel rooms and, and, and rental cars and production planning, when you're built, you know, the, your, the, your capacity to build that computer is a perishable commodity. I can't take, I can't sell yesterday's hotel room and I can't sell the machines and the slotting and the production capability that I had yesterday to build something. It's gone. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's great parallels there. Think about I, the metaphor I use is what we have today in the world of technology to support this is we have thousands and millions of deep water wells of accountants looking in their four walls of detailed pre- precision 
totally blind and inaccurate to the flow of what's happening in the river, what should be rivers and streams of communication, how you make things. So that's the first thing that you need to understand that's that's a real problem. And, and in your business, there's there's simple ways to, to break that cycle and get, and, and get around it. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the second thing I think that is important to understand is that over the last 20 years is, and I'll just, I'll pick on China because it's easy to pick on, on, on China because they're kind of predatory, right? They, they set up a process where they went to the, the linear thinking, precision thinkers in many businesses that just kind of wanted to fire their operations team and buy stuff cheap. And China was going to be the, the infinite production facility for the rest of the world. But guess what? To make things in China, you're going to have a long lead time. You're going to have to make those bets. And so the combination of making those naive bets and those incredibly long lead times, all it took was some event to happen, right? And, and those lead times break, right? And whether the product user doesn't get here or it gets in a form you don't need it, now you have big chunks of assets sitting around that are killing your, your, your business model. I think it was just last week Target wrote down all sorts of products and inventory that they'd made bets on that they just got to clear out that, that, that that's wrong. And it's, it's happening across the board. So, so the, the, the point there is not to try to live in the past, right? It's, it's, it's irrelevant. But the point there is that you really need to design your supply chain. A, a lot of these things that happened the last 20 years, nobody designed the supply chain. They just go, oh, man, I can buy this stuff cheap, long, deep. I'll just do it. Mm. Um, and they didn't think about the engineering of, Managing that lead time of demand versus lead time of supply and what the risk, what the opportunities were. And, and quite honestly, the top players in almost every industry have done this a little bit better than everybody else. And, and they do it for many reasons. They do it because they are wise and understand the real world. They do it because they have very uh, short shelf life products. They, they make Fritos or they make Apple computers, right? Or they make coach handbags, right? That they know are trendy, right? They're, they're, they're hot for three months or six months and they end a life and then bring out a new one. So they force this discipline in their market because that's how they differentiate their entire business. So those three concepts, I think, are, are things to learn from. Okay. So it's the systems don't talk to each other. You got the ERPs and warehouses. You've got the linear precision thinking, which you can buy cheap, but there's no flexibility to adapt. And then the third one was to manage the lead time and the supply. Like, and think about well, that. The, the, third the third one is whether it's in planning, whether it's in designing your supply chain, or whether it's reacting to change, you really need to have an engineering tool that balances that lead time of supply to lead time of demand. In, in the world of supply chain, it's called time phase planning. It's not intergalactic space science or you know over the top machine learning and ai it's simply there's an algorithm that takes the lead time of supply of your planning bill materials and it calculates if if i need to have 10 units a week for 10 weeks it calculates when that first batch needs to leave in order to be at my place time zero right there's a lead time Right? right. And that and that lead time might be three weeks. It might be if, if in, in model in, in those models on the board, I can compress that lead time of supply. So then I have more flexibility and agility to, to adapt the change. So so it, it, the, the lessons learned is is first 
have a engineering tool that helps you design this. And that same tool should be something that helps you operate and plan it. And then all of a sudden, all these options become available to you to create a competitive advantage for whatever it is you do, right? You manufacture, you distribute, you manufacture to serve like a Halliburton or Schlumberger. One of the toughest businesses in the world is people who manufacture their own products to, to use them in a service business. Mm -hmm. So in, in any business, agility and adaptability to deal with changing demand, or if you're really smart, you use change of demand, you force it in your competitors, right? You use it to squeeze them out. So any way you cut it, having this ability is a huge competitive di di different differentiator for your business. Okay, and so you are where does that, right? At DCRA well, yeah, Inc? We, we have, yes, we, we have patented technologies that do this. We have processes to teach people how to do it. But I, I'm really not talking about software. I, I, I'm talking about a concept which is really called sales and operations planning. And, and we could get you very detailed descriptions of, of it. But the simple description is it's a culture, a process, a mindset of getting all of your resources to sing on the same song, right? Which is, which is, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a technology. It's a process. There are technologies that collapse the time it takes to net that demand supply. So, so it, right. in the real world, what happens in these businesses when they don't have good technology or they don't have good processes, this netting of demand supply never either never happens. Mm -hmm. It only happens scientifically, like once a quarter or once a month. Or even worse is because everybody in the business is so untrustworthy of the plan, they do what's called overwriting. I, I, I can't tell you how many little stick figure diagrams I've driven, written over the years showing a process diagram and showing a CEO, you know, you got this plan, but your people don't trust it. So Fred keeps a bunch of inventory behind the counter. Susie keeps it in the warehouse and the sales guy, you know, knows where to get my extra inventory. So everybody doesn't trust the plan. So then they keep stuff around. And, and by the way, People generally don't get fired for having too much inventory. They get fired for not having an inventory. Enough. So, so uh. all of a sudden, all this stuff builds up, and, and that just becomes a huge drain on your Wharton finance view of, of Wall Street. And that's what that's literally what kills most businesses. And yeah, that's so interesting. You know, we're running out of time because we're in our new format that's to run 30 or 40 minutes. But it's, you know, I'm really seeing. Like the comparison, you know, it's a completely different area, but with Rapport International, you can come to us and we could do translation. But if you don't step it back and come up with a strategy first, you may be wasting a lot of time and effort. And that's exactly what you're talking about supply chain management is you got to get the strategy first before you can put the technologies or decide on how to do it. So where can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Yeah, we have several websites, dcrasolutions.com, sopbook.com, makeit.net. But what, what I wanted to summarize to hopefully have folks take away from this brief discussion is, is you're going to be much better off in business if you have control or better control of your competition of that lead time of supply versus lead time of demand. That ultimately is a process called sales and operations planning. I, I try to not even use the term supply chain management because it's gotten so diluted by people throwing anything at it. But, but the more control you have, uh, 
and then backed up by processes and tools to, to put that in place. But quite honestly, for small businesses, medium businesses, just thinking this way, I, I call it SNOP thinking. I've helped many clients generate massive improvement in profits just getting to think this way. Because in a small business, you don't need a lot of really complicated tools to sit down with your supplier and figure out lead times and figure out when to take, take money, right? As your business grows, what you want to do is not fall into this trap of becoming Radio Chef. Right, right. So I'll just leave it with that. John, that's great. I always like to ask one last question that I didn't prep you for, and that's your favorite foreign word. So I know you're doing international, you're working with companies that are distributing internationally, and you've done a lot of work in this, and I'm rambling to give you the chance to think of your favorite foreign word since I didn't prep you. You got one? <laughs> I, I, I love I love a lot of German nouns, the concatenated, you know, the, the hotbot house, the, 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 the house where the trains live, right? Or the Bleistift machine, the, the 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 machine that sharpens the pencils, right? So I, <laughs> I I've always gotten a kick out of, of the way the Germans kind of put together a little little nouns to create a bit a bigger. Nouns. So no, that's that great. Helps. What that's was helpful. the house that sharpens pencils? What was that? Which is the Bleistift machine. Bleistift machine. That's great. I haven't right. heard that one before. All right. Well, thank you so much. So if anybody wants to reach out to him and talk more about this sales and operations planning or supply chain management, his website is DCRA. That's D is for David, C is in Charlie, R is for Roger, A is for Alpha, solutions.com. And of course, we'll have it in our show notes. So thank you so much. I uh, really hope that you go into the Facebook group, Global Marketing and Growth, and comment on this. I'd love to hear about your supply chain issues and what you're doing about that and how you've come up with solving it. So thank you, John. I appreciate you joining us. That's a wrap for this session. A big thanks to you for listening to the Global Marketing Show. Hope you had just as much fun as I did. New sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on our website. If you know someone interested in this topic, please tell them about us. Au revoir for now.